Welcome to the Equipping You podcast, where our mission is to equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. Equipping You is a ministry of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Equipping You podcast. This is season five, episode eight. Coming to you today from Colorado Springs, Colorado, home of a brand new in and out burger as California makes its way to Colorado Springs. Big news. Uh, I just love to watch their crew work. I don't even need to eat anything when I'm there. Now, I do eat something when I'm there, but I don't need to. I just sit there and watch them work. That's what they all say, Terry. Finally, Mm -hmm. oil machine. Well, you guys know better than to believe me on that. But I I do watch their crew, and I do love their food as well. So I'm Terry, Church Ministries Leader for the Alliance. And I'm Alan, Director of Multiplication for Eastern PA. And uh, Caitlin is with us, and appropriately, she's sipping on a drink of some sort, just like we tell you all to do. What are you drinking today, Caitlin? You're it's muted. whatever drink you're going to say. I already know oh, okay. it. There's yeah. like a, a wow. telepathy thing happening, yeah. and that's what I have okay. in the cell. Okay. Wow. wow. That'll be impressive. I can't wait to see what it is. Oh, yeah. Is it's it going to be great. So good. Ter- Terry's recommendations are always A+. plus. <laughs> You're right on target, Caitlin. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so. so. uh, Tell us, Alan, about our guest today, whose name is Kevin Harney. You, we are definitely talking to Kevin Harney. Harney, you will find out he is passionate about outreach and evangelism uh, and founded an organization called Outreach, or excuse me, Organic Outreach, uh, which gives away tons of resources for free so that churches can actually do outreach instead of just talk about it or wish they were doing it. So it's, I'm sure it's going to be a power-packed conversation. Yes. So lean in, pastors and leaders. We need to hear this message. And so uh, grab yourself a Dutch Brothers coffee. Uh, I know, Kate. All, all, the, all the rage <laughs> here in the West. The line is so long. At the one near my house, I've never been able to go there. But grab sat in it for that. twenty minutes on Saturday morning. Wow. It was the worst, but wow. it was worth it. <laughs> wow. wow! So uh, grab yourself a Dutch Brothers coffee. Sit back, relax. Here we go. Hey, equipping you friends, it's Caitlin here, and I want to tell you about something super special that we have launched here at Equipping You that's just for you, and we think you're really going to love it. If you're an avid Equipping You listener, an Equipping You live attender, or both, you need to join our Facebook group called Equipping You Community. We love that on the podcast and at Equipping You Live, we get to empower you in your ministries. But we believe that for you to really see the true transformation of your leadership that you want, applying what you learn in community is key. So pause this episode right now and head over to facebook.com slash groups slash equipping you community. Or you can go to equippingyou.com and scroll all the way to the bottom and click on equipping you community. We can't wait to see you there. So Kevin, we are thankful that you're on our podcast today. So uh, thank you so much for coming. It's my privilege and honor. I'm glad to be with you guys. 
So we like to help our listeners get to know our guests a little bit. So give us kind of a fly overview of your life, your family, ministry journey. <laughs> That's a big question. So I'm, I've been married for 36 years to uh, a woman I'm still crazy about, and seems to, she seems to like me pretty well. Congratulations. And uh, we partner together in the local church. We partner in our uh, work globally with Organic Arts International, partnering with churches. And then we also uh, partner in our writing. So we actually do almost everything together and, uh, and still get along well. Uh, we have three boys who are now 34, 32, and 30. And they all love Jesus. And two of them are, uh, have uh, a theological training and background and have served in the church. And uh, one has a little video company. And uh, I grew up in a non-believing, uh, what I call a, a, a fairly healthy, loving, uh, pagan, atheistic home. And so my parents loved each other. I did their 50th renewal of vows before my mom passed away. Uh, and yet there was no faith in my home. Wow. And uh, by the, the amazing grace of God's hand, all five of my parents' children, my dad and mom had five of us. We all have become Christians. Three of us are in ministry. And uh, about three weeks ago, after 43 years of praying and sharing the gospel with my dad, my dad prayed to receive Jesus wow. as he's battling cancer. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm just soaring with joy. And I'm hoping that those year, that the pastors and missionaries and church leaders that are listening uh, will be encouraged to hang in there because over those 43 years, there's been a lot of times where I've just thought, this isn't going anywhere, Lord. And my dad seems as hard-hearted as ever. Uh, but God did that great miracle again and touched a Amen. heart and my, my dad is part of the family of God. So, uh, that's, that's kind of a, a short snapshot of my story. Hey, in the midst of that, how did you come to know Christ? Uh, Terry, that is a, a great question and a kind of a, a funny story. I grew up in this non-believing home. And so, uh, when, my sister Gretchen, one year older than me, became a Christian. She invited me to her church a number of times, and I was hostile and resistant and pretty nasty with her. And then finally, one day, she came to me and she said, I'm going to ask you to church one more time, but don't tell me no till I tell you what it is. And I said, okay, what is it? And she said, well, I was about 15 years old, almost 16. She said, we're having a casino night. There's going to be a thousand high school kids there, and they're going to have roulette wheels, 21 tables, and, uh, and uh, a short little talk at the end. And this and it was exactly what she told me it was. And at the end, we all sat on the floor of this giant auditorium and the youth pastor gave a message called Life's a Gamble, where are you putting your chips? And basically went <laughs> wow. through Pascal's wager of saying, why not put a, uh, your faith in Jesus? And I had no interest in that at all, even after the message, but there was a cute blonde girl. So I went back to hang out with a cute blonde girl the next week and kept hanging out for uh, about oh, three or four months till finally God broke through. And I ended up hearing the gospel and uh, knowing very little about Jesus. I, my first prayer was, God, I don't know if you're real, and I don't know if this stuff about Jesus is true, but if, God, if you're real, and if Jesus died for me and rose again and wants my life, you can have me. And that night, I felt a call to ministry. I found out that I was an evangelist <laughs> in the next week, and I've been, uh, I actually felt like God called me that night to spend the rest of my life telling people about Jesus. Wow, that's and amazing. So I asked the youth leader, what do I got to do to become a pastor? And he said, get a haircut. And uh, <laughs> I, was a surf, I was a surf punk. And I said, seriously? He said, no, you don't need a haircut. I, let me get you a Bible. You should probably read the Bible. And, uh, and that was my start. I tell people I didn't have a conventional route. I, I tell people I started church and my search. I, I started by, I, so I went for the gambling and I stayed for the girls and I found Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, wow, Great evangelistic strategy. 
There you go. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying I recommend that for churches. I'm just telling you that's what they did, and that's what got me there. Yeah. And God uses the strangest of things, you know. He sure he does. does. Praise so, God. Uh, we like to ask the leaders that we're interviewing, who were some ministry leaders that influenced you uh, in your early development? Hmm. You know, that's a great question. I've got to answer on a couple levels. One, uh, you know, when, when this youth leader gave me, he gave me a, my first Bible. I'd never held a Bible. And it was the Revised Standard Version Harper Study Bible with study notes by Harold Linzel. Wow. And uh, wow. he told me, he told me, he said, Kevin, this is the living word of God. I mean, this, this is the true word of God beginning to end. It's, it's from God. It's for you. So you're supposed to read it. So he explained to me that the little print at the bottom was study notes and the big print was the Bible. And so over the next three weeks, I read the whole thing, including the little study notes. And I went back to him and I said, okay, what do I read next? And he said, uh, he said, well, how far did you, he thought I got stuck in Leviticus or something. So well, how far did you get? I said, well, I read the whole thing and I read all the study notes too. And I need to know what's next. And he said, he looked at me, he said, well, he said, we only have one book, so just read it again. <laughs> okay. And uh, I've been doing that for, I've been doing that for 43 years now, reading it over and over again. So my first leadership uh, mentors were, uh, you know, the apostle Paul taught me how to suffer for the gospel. Mm. And Abraham ta taught me how to follow God, even when I don't know where, didn't know where I was going. And, uh, you know, David taught me how to, uh, how to live with imperfection and out of my brokenness still serve Jesus and cry out to him like Psalm 51 for, for forgiveness when I struggle. And my first mentors were really uh, the biblical characters, that first three months of my Christian life, just immersing myself. I, I told my mom, uh, it was the summertime. And I said, mom, uh, I'm not, don't, don't answer. Don't, I'm not going to answer the phone or talk to my friends till noon every day. And I'd get up at about seven o'clock and I read the Bible for five hours a day. Wow. Cause I figured if this was from God, I should probably know what it says. And, um, and, and then my next mentors were a couple of college students who poured into my life and they didn't have theological training. They were pretty new believers themselves but they loved Jesus and they loved me and they walked with me and taught me the word of God. And, and, uh, and then the youth pastor at the church who shared the gospel for the first time with me came alongside. So, you know, my, my first mentors were the, the best of the best from scripture and actually pretty ordinary people who just love Jesus. And then Amen. faithful young people who followed Jesus. That was kind of how I got started. Now I, you know, I studied lots of people, read lots of things, but that was kind of my starting point. Great. Wow. That is great stuff. God is so good. I'll tell you yeah. what. You have uh, written a series of books on organic outreach that has caught my attention and wanting that to be part of the church so that really outreach is normal for congregations. You also have an organization, Organic Outreach International. How did God ignite your heart for sharing the gospel and help others embrace sharing the gospel? The next key piece. Yeah, well, my heart. The, so the day I be, the day I prayed to receive Jesus, uh, I was on a on a trip with this youth group from this church on this houseboat trip, and and when they invited me to come, they said you want to go water skiing for a week, and and the, the blonde that I met, uh, the cute blonde I met at the casino night was going too, so I went along. I didn't. It didn't register for me that I was going to be on a houseboat for a week, so I was stuck for a whole week with these Christians. I couldn't go anywhere. I was in the middle of a you know, middle of the water, and so they they loved me, cared for me and, and shared the gospel. And actually the, 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 I'm not, the, I'm married to a beautiful blonde, but it wasn't not the same one that was on that houseboat back, you know, all those years ago. But when I put my faith in Jesus Christ that day, then that night, I remember they had all the boys sleep on top of the houseboat and the girls locked inside the houseboat because we were high school kids out on the water. So 
I remember laying on top of the houseboat, looking up at the sky and just, and I prayed my second prayer. My first prayer was to receive Jesus. My second prayer was, okay, God, now what do I do? And I felt a clear, I've never heard God with my ears, but in my heart, I, I felt with absolute conviction uh, that to spend the rest of my life telling people about Jesus or I'd be miserable. And at 15 years old, I, I didn't know much, but I knew I didn't want to be miserable. And so that's why I, I, I said, okay, God, I'll spend the rest of my life telling people about you. And so within about a month, all of my friends knew about Jesus and they either wanted to be a Christian or they wanted to get away from me. And it wasn't very organic, honestly, at the beginning, I, I just was telling everybody about Jesus. But I, and I didn't know at the time what the gifting of an evangelist or a call of an evangelist was, but I didn't, you know, I'm part of that 3% or 4% of Christians that actually have the gifting and calling of an evangelist. Yeah. Uh, but, but I also felt this early on, I just fell in love with the church. I'd never been part of a church. I didn't know what church was, but I, I found these people who loved God and loved me and worked together to love the world. And I fell in love with the church. And I started thinking to myself, if every church in the world, because I realized there was lots of churches all over the place, if every church would actually just, just let people know how much God loves them and, and share the story of Jesus, and if every Christian would just live out their faith, I had this vision that, you know, that could change the whole world, which I think was what Jesus had in mind. Uh, and so early on, I just had this, this, uh, this sense that if you could help local churches equip and train all of their people to do what Christians are supposed to do, which is glorify God, grow in their faith, and then share that good news with the world, it would be powerful. So I started thinking about that at about 17 years old and started thinking, how do you help churches be the church? And, uh, and I've been on that pursuit ever since. And uh, I don't, I, I've got some stuff, you know, I've learned some lessons along the way that I try to share with people. I've, we've created resources. Almost everything I've created, we give away for free to help churches just do this thing that every church wants to do and most churches have a hard time getting to. Mm. That's a nice way to put it. Every church wants to do, but has a hard time getting That's right. to it. Yeah. So unpack for us what you mean by this uh, term, organic outreach, Kevin. Well, in the simplest term, it, in the simplest words, it's this, evangelism. I mean, that's, that's what it is. I, yeah. I would have written about evangelism except for uh, pe when people hear that word, they get afraid and they run away. And especially now when people are taking the word evangelical and, and aligning it with all kinds of stuff. And so... You know, to me, organic outreach is naturally sharing the good news of Jesus in a way that, that won't freak other people out and in a way that doesn't freak Christians out, you know, when they're, when they're sharing it. It's just naturally living your life of faith, speaking words of faith, loving people in the name of Jesus, giving an account for the hope that you have in you that Peter calls us all to do. It's being salt and light. So it really is just being being Christians who share our faith in very natural, organic ways in the flow of every day. I, I've, often, I've often imagined what would the world look like if every Christian was just naturally sharing their faith, if every Christian home was a lighthouse of God's presence in their neighborhood, and if every Christian church was shining the light of Jesus and equipping every child and teenager and adult who loves Jesus, equipping each one to naturally share their faith. And that's my desire is to equip and train leaders to do the very thing that God's called them to and that they long to do. And that is to naturally share the good news of Jesus. That's Great. beautiful. That's yeah. beautiful. So you got organic outreach for ordinary people, organic yeah. outreach for families, organic outreach for churches. I believe it's uh, an organic outreach for churches. You start off by saying uh, that evangelism should be the leading value in every church. What, is, what do you mean exactly by that? I mean, obviously we can interpret that, but what do you mean exactly by that and why is it necessary? 
I, I'll take one step backwards first and say that I, I believe biblically the church exists for really to do really only three things. We exist to glorify God and lift him up. We exist to grow believers into maturity and we exist to bring the good news to the world. And, and if those are the three things, you know, so we're upwardly, we're worshiping God inwardly, we're going in fellowship, growing spiritually, growing, you know, what, what Paul says, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and the maturity in Christ, and then to go out with the good news and fulfill the great commission. The dilemma is almost every church that I studied or worked with, and, and Organic Outreach works with over 40,000 churches globally, the people we're working with or the people who we've worked with who are training people within their body, and almost every church I interact with is spending significant time and energy helping people worship. I mean, almost every week, week, every church has a worship service, at least one. Almost every church I've encountered is doing significant things. Or they're trying to do discipleship, children's ministry, youth ministry, men's, women's. They want to grow believers. But almost every church I meet is not meaningfully and intentionally moving their people out with the gospel. So of those three things we do, the first thing most churches, like a new church that begins, first thing they do is they have their first church service. Then they start doing discipleship. And if they ever get around to it, evangelism comes third. So here's the crazy part. Even though we say that we exist to worship God, grow believers, and reach the world, the, the last thing to start is almost always evangelism. And some churches never even get to it. And the first thing to go away, like in this time of COVID and all this time of struggle, I'm sure that many of the, uh, of the CMA churches that you know and love we're doing outreach, but during this season, they may have, it's, it's the first thing that kind of disappears when times get tough. And so I believe that the church needs to spend more time, more energy, and more focus on this because it's the last thing we get to. It's the first thing we quit doing when things get tough. And I would add to that, there's massive spiritual resistance. We have an enemy who, uh, who doesn't want us to worship and doesn't want us to grow believers but worship and growing believers are, it's working with the people that already are part of the family. They're already part of Jesus's family. But when we go into enemy territory and people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ and leaving the kingdom of darkness and walking into the kingdom of light and then becoming ambassadors of that good news of Jesus, that's a declaration of war. So your churches that are doing evangelism, there's going to be battles against them. And so we, we need to do this. We need to focus on it more because it's the last thing we get to and the first thing we quit doing when times are tough because there's spiritual resistance that's massive and real and powerful. And there's a, uh, there's a real enemy fighting against the work of evangelism. And finally, because our church members are, are really afraid to do this thing that they want to do. Most, most church members, and can I be honest with you, most pastors are nervous about evangelism. Most, even most, and I have a lot of pastors that will come to me and say, can I share something with you? And they're, they're nervous. And I know what they're going to tell me because I've heard it too many times. They'll say, I believe in everything you're saying, but I've never lived it out. And it's hard to lead my church out in this when I'm not living it. And, I, and I'll always say, then let's work with you first and get you living it so you can lead it with integrity. Wow. So I think there's a real battle going on and, and we've got to put energy here because uh, if we don't, it's simply not going to happen. Yes, hundred percent. And I think you're right. A COVID really revealed that weakness because a lot of churches just dropped it completely. Yeah. Yep. So uh, you, you kind of, sort of already began to answer this question. Maybe you gave us all you want to answer for this question, but what keeps evangelism from being the leading value in most churches? You've talked about, you know, Satan's going to oppose it. You've talked yeah. about people fearing it. Anything else you would add to that? Yeah, I, I would say busyness and squeaky wheels. 
okay. know, uh, church leaders, church boards. I, I know you have a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are pastors, but also board members, key leaders in the church. We tend to get very, very busy doing those first two things, planning a worship service, getting people to, to come in God's presence and celebrate him, which is which we should be doing. And we spend a lot of time growing believers, discipling, planning youth events, children's ministries, uh, men's Bible studies, couples. I mean, we do lots of things for believers. Uh, and so we get so busy doing those things, which are great things to do, that we just run out of time. And so we don't get to that thing that shouldn't. And this is why evangelism has got to be up on the top of the list, not at the bottom of the list, because we simply we simply won't get, it, get to it. It's like the person who says, well, I'll give offerings to God every month when I have leftover money. Um, well, most people at the end of the month don't have any leftover money. Nope. You give it to God first, right? Yeah, and I amen. tell people, put evangelism at the front of the list or you won't get to it. And so I think one of the, one of the distractions is busyness. And then the second is squeaky wheels. Uh, we tend to, you know, as I'm, I'm a pastor and I know there's people that are saying, hey, pastor, don't forget this, don't forget that. And what they're usually saying is not, don't, don't forget to invest money and time in our community and the world. They're saying, don't forget my kids, my grandkids kids, me, another, another Bible study for me, another event for me, music I enjoy. And, and it's not that Christians are trying to be selfish, but as human beings, we, we know our needs better than the needs of anybody else. And so we bring those to our pastors. We bring those to our leaders. And one of the conversations I've had many times as a pastor, and, and just, you know, I am a local church pastor. I lead a wonderful church. Uh, I have, except for three years when I took a break to write their organic outreach books, I've been a local church pastor for my, all my adult life, really. And so um, I don't talk about hypotheticals. I talk about real stuff. And when I have people come to me and say, well, pastor, you know, we need more of this for us and we need more of that for us. And don't forget to take care of us. I'll often say to them, and as a younger pastor, I was a little more, uh, I'll say a little less sensitive. I'm more sensitive now, but I'll look at people and I'll say, we as Christians have everything. I mean, let's, let's, let's talk and we'll talk about it. I'll say, what do we have as Christians? We have the love of Jesus Christ. We have the fellowship of the body of Christ. We have heaven as our home. We have, we have the word of God. We have the communion of the saints. We have the fruits of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit. We, we are so, uh, the apostle Paul says, we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And I'll say, what do people that don't know Jesus, what do they have? And these, and these faithful saints will look at me and they'll say, nothing of eternal significance. Or they'll say, they're lost. And I'll say, yeah, exactly right. So I said, tell me why we got to come up with one more thing for Christians to do when we already have 47 things happening in our church. And even in a small church of 40 or 60 people, we can say, well, we've got, you know, four or five, six things a week Christians can be doing. What are we doing to reach the lost? And most people, when they're honest, they say almost nothing. Mm. So I'll say, why do, we, why do we need to do more for us when we're already doing so much for us. And, and so you kind of, you love those squeaky wheels and you say, but listen, will you join us together as we bring this good news we have out into the world? And you'll find that some of those folks that are the most focused on their own needs, when they get a vision for the gospel, they will be your champions to help you go out into the, your community and love them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Yeah. That is a true statement. So, you know, I grew up you know, around churches that talked a lot about evangelism, but it was always piled on, you know, like this is what yeah. you're supposed to do. This is what a good Christian does. And it sometimes felt like guilt. It sometimes felt like manipulation. And yeah. so I thought it was really great in your books. You talk about how it has to start in the hearts of God's people. Yeah. So how does that happen? <laughs> yeah. When uh, I, I, you know, when you give a book to a publisher, they'll, they'll always have, you know, suggestions and some, some ideas for you. In one of the organic outreach books, I start with the first three chapters on love. And I talk about loving God, loving the church, loving the lost. And my editor, who is a great guy, he said to me, 
you know, that's a long windup, three whole chapters about love. That's a long windup before you get to the point of the book. And I said, that's not a windup. <laughs> I said, I said, if we don't, if love's not the central thing, I mean, when Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing in all the universe and all the law, all the prophets of all the truth of God that have been revealed up to that moment, what's most important, you know, Jesus taught us and we need to remember it, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And so uh, we have to teach our congregational members to love God passionately. That's why worship is so important because we fall in love with God and we understand his goodness. So we want others to experience it also. We've got to teach them to love the church because if we, you know, I, I run into Christians who don't even seem to like the church and they're, but they want to be evangelistic. So, well, I don't like the church and I'm upset about this or that, but they'll say to their non-believing friends, hey, do you want to come to this place that I don't like and that I'm always complaining about? It's called the church and their friends go, not really interested. You know, but if they say, man, I love the body of Christ. I love the church in all of its shapes and forms then that's compelling to others. So we, you know, we, we love God, we love the church, and then we have to love those that are far from Jesus. And we have to not just see them as a, as a ministry project, or like you were saying before, uh, Alan, as like an assignment or a thing I'm pressured to do. But when you love someone, you long for them to know Jesus. You know, as I prayed for my dad for 43 years, as I shared the gospel with my dad again and again over, over more than four decades, I love my dad. I want him to know Jesus. Now he does know Jesus, but I, you know, my, I've got a, a couple of buddies right now in town here that I hang out with that don't know Jesus. One's very close, one's still quite distant, but I'm not, they're not my religious projects. These are friends. These are people I love and care about. Amen. And, and if, you, if you treat someone as a spiritual project, they're going to feel it. They're going to smell it in the air, man. They're going to they're yep. run from you because they're going to realize that, you're, that they're, they're just your, that your religious duty and project. But when you love people, uh, they'll hear your story. They'll hear what matters to you. And you'll take time to, to hear their lives and be part of their lives. And so, uh, you know, we train people that it begins with love. Uh, you know, Jesus came in grace and in truth. And so we need to teach grace and love, but we also have to teach the truth of the gospel. And we keep those in, in just that fine balance. But, but if we're not loving people, uh, I, I had a guy stand up at a, 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 one of the largest churches in the country. I was speaking at an evangelism conference and massive group there. And this guy stood up at a microphone and said, I got this neighbor drives me crazy. I don't really like him, but I just feel like I should reach him with the gospel. <laughs> he said, what should I do? And I, and I was at the mic to respond to him. And, you know, the room was pretty quiet. And, I, and I, I'm learning to be more gentle. This was some years ago. But I said, listen, I said, if you don't love him, it sounds like he's a project, a religious duty. You don't even like the guy. I said, you'll drive him away from Jesus if you come and just try to dump the gospel on him. But I said, why don't you pray first that God will grow a love in your heart for your neighbor. And as you begin to love him, God will show you the way forward. You'll have a friendship with him. He won't be a religious project. And so I just, we start with love because Jesus started with love. And, and every one of the organic outreach books really focuses in as a starting point of loving people the way Jesus did, because then that will then we'll follow him into mission, right? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So great emphasis on love. Are there other things that need to be in place for evangelism to become normal in a, in a church congregation? Yeah, I, I believe that there has to be cultural shift. And this is what I've spent the last you know, 20 years trying to develop tools. And the books, uh, the books that you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, th th those three books are wonderful, but the vast majority of the resources that my wife and I have created with our team over the last 20 years are on our website and they're free. And we give away so much stuff. We have a seven-year curriculum in, th in two languages, English and Spanish. Um, and we're working on three more languages that the books have been translated into. But all, we have a seven-year curriculum on changing the culture of your church. And it's all on the website. It's all free. 
It's all open source, so you can download it and put your own church name on it. You can change, you can throw out the stuff I wrote that you don't like, and you can put your own stuff in. I'm serious. I mean, we give it away uh, because this is so important and it's so challenging. Amen. So I, I really feel, and, you know, and, and Terry, your question about what else has to happen, we have to have a cultural change. Yeah. We have to understand that outreach is not, you know, okay, once a year, we're going to do a, invite a friend Sunday, and then we're done with outreach for the year. That doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. um, you have to build yeah. a cultural norm that outreach is what children's ministry does. Outreach is what youth ministry does. Outreach is what every, every ministry, outreach is what your deacons do. Outreach is what your elders do. Outreach is as part of every ministry of your church. If it's an add-on, it'll be exactly that. It'll be something on the, you know, tagged on the end. If it's integral to all you do, which in the heart of Jesus it was, then when COVID hits, when you have a crisis, it doesn't go away because it's who we are and what we do. It's, in, it's, it's engrafted into the, into the very uh, life of the congregation on every level. And so that's what I've, I've tried to create resources that will help churches infuse the vision and the practice of evangelism every 30 days into the life of the church until Jesus returns. Not once a year, not once a quarter. And I, that, what I've learned studying this is that it doesn't matter what the culture is, after 30 days, if you don't keep the focus on evangelism, it starts to cool off and die, 30 days. So mm. it's got to be a monthly emphasis. Mm. That's good. That's good. Got to keep it front and center. We always mm. talk in leadership. We got to talk about the most important things until we're tired of talking about them and then some. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... You know, so what in the world, what are the first steps a church can take? You talk about resources on your website or what, what, what's the place to go? Well, I would say, you know, there's lots, there's lots of great stuff out there. And I, I'm not a proponent of everyone has to do the stuff I've developed or use organic outreach. But I will tell you this, um, what we've developed is, I think, the most developed and matured and tested approach that's free. Um, and so, every, you know, so many people have to monetize everything. And so I would encourage your listeners, whether, whether you're a lay person, whether you're a missionary on the mission field, whether you're a local church pastor, I would encourage your listeners just to go to organicoutreach.org and open it up. There's no cost to get on the website. All you have to give is your email address. And that's just so that we can let you know when new stuff is coming out and hitting you. We've got a podcast on there. We've got a, a newsletter that anyone can you know, subscribe to. The podcast is free. The newsletter is free. But what I would do is I would go on the website and find the Outreach Influence Team resources and open up the seven-year curriculum. And under the resources, there's a seven-year curriculum and if you can't find it, just call our offices and we'll guide you through. We don't, you know, it's not going to be like a lawyer that charges you for every hour or every portion thereof, $140. We do it for free. We serve the church. And so go on the website, go and find the resources, the seven-year resources. And what it is, is it's a 30-day infusion and it's a seven-year curriculum of every 30 days. We give them tools to do, three, to do four things. And here's the four things that I've learned after testing this for 20 years. And we, I mean, we do training in, you know, from Australia and New Zealand to Guatemala and Honduras to, um, to India and Sri Lanka. I mean, we've tested these things all over the world. And I've discovered there's four things that you need to do every 30 days until Jesus returns. If you want to keep the fires burning hot for evangelism. Those four things are inspiration. We've got to inspire people and get them fired. I mean, I'm hoping right now as people are listening, they're, they're getting like, they're getting inspired. They're getting fired up. But every 30 days, inspiration. Second, every 30 days, accountability. What are you doing to reach out? You need to ask every pastor, every board member, every volunteer leader in your church. How are you reaching out? Accountability. So inspiration, accountability. Number three, learning. 
You need to learn something new about sharing your faith, learn something new about the gospel every 30 days. There's this didactic part of our brain that we have to be receiving new tools and new ways of sharing the gospel every 30 days. So inspiration, accountability, learning, and here's number four, planning. Your board has to say, this is what we're planning to do next for outreach. As a pastor, you say, I'm planning something for the next 30 days. As a children's ministry, what are we planning to reach children with the gospel? And if you, if you infuse those four things every 30 days, you will keep the fires burning hot within your church. So on our website, the seven-year curriculum, if you open it up, it'll be year one, month one. And on that will be ideas for inspiration. There'll be tools for accountability. There'll be something you can learn. If it's a video to watch, you can click on it. You can watch it. It's free in English and in Spanish. And then here's steps to planning your next step. The next 30 days, the next curriculum walks you through that. And here's what we've actually done. We've discovered when we, we, we take all of our leaders in our church every 30 days and they spend time focusing on those four things. Every one of our volunteer leaders, every one of our staff leaders, every 30 days, we do this. And we, and we use the same agendas that we've created and offered to the church at large. And so, um, and so we, just, we just continue to come back to it again and again. And here's the beauty. After, thir- after seven years, if you go through all seven years, just start over again. Because guess what? People forgot what they learned last month, much less seven years ago, right? Yeah. And so you actually have a yeah. curriculum now that will last you till Jesus returns. You can edit it and change it as you want to. But here's the deal. We made an hour and a half curriculum. And so if you don't have an hour and a half, and the hour and a half curriculum we call the full meal. I finally, about a year ago, I said, some churches can't spend an hour and a half every month on this. Let's make a 30 minute version of those four elements. And we call that a cup of coffee. You can, you can do it a half an hour over a cup of coffee and you can train your people using this tool. And then we said, some people can't take a half an hour. We planned a 15 minute infusion of those four elements, the same elements, 15 minutes. We call that a shot of espresso. (laughs) <laughs> and so, and so you've got a full meal, a cup of coffee and a shot of espresso for seven years in two languages, soon five languages. It's all free. So I, let me talk to the pastors for a minute. Pastors, if you say, I just don't have any time to do this. I'll tell you what, we've, we've put in thousands of hours of work over 20 years and we're giving it to you for free. So it's there. If you don't use this, use something, but that's the best tool I can give you to hit those four areas every 30 days till Jesus returns. Amen. Great stuff. Ah. Organicoutreach.org. Yep. And uh, we encourage our uh, listeners to uh, go there and look uh, for some of these resources and, and tap into them. Amen. Kevin, we really appreciate you. And appreciate Your what enthusiasm was fantastic. Wow. This, well, thank uh, you. this is such an important issue in our churches and the number one reason why so many churches are plateaued and declining and, not, and don't really have vital ministry in their uh, community. So thanks for your passion in this area. And thanks for taking the time to join us today. We yeah. really appreciate it very much. Well, and, and thank you for the honor of being with, with the two of you and also with Caitlin, who's running this behind the scenes, putting everything together. It's, it's a privilege. And I want to say to your pastors and to your board members and to your missionaries and to your leaders, uh, don't give up. You know, don't give up. I so many times with my dad after 43 years, I was ready to just say, Lord, I don't know what else to share with this man. And God has done what he does. He's amazed us again, and our family's just rejoicing. So hang in there, press forward, and um, no matter what hits this world, uh, more and more the world needs the gospel. They need the good news of Jesus. So uh, keep this on the front burner of your heart and your life and your church. Gospel will always be powerful. Praise God. Amen. 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 That's awesome. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin.
Well, Alan, I, I don't know of a more needed message for our churches uh, than the one we just heard. Uh, I would 100% agree with that. Uh, we have got to get focused on this. It's our call. And to be honest, it should be normal in our churches, and it simply is not. Yeah. Uh, we've got to do what it takes to see that change and do it out of love. Oh, I so appreciated yeah. that yeah. for him. You know, it was a strong conversation, but it was rooted in love. And, and I loved hearing the story about his dad. How, what perfect timing yeah. is that yeah. for able to have that just happen and have that overflow into our conversation. Amazing. Great, great story. His, wow. his story is great. His dad's story is great. Amazing stuff. So uh, we need more people to listen to this episode than have ever listened to any other podcast episode. And truth. Because we need this whole thing about evangelism to become normal and contagious uh, in, yeah. our, in our churches. So uh, yeah. thanks for listening today. Do what you can to pass the word along. We'll greatly appreciate it. And we'll look forward to uh, having you with us next time on Equipping You Podcast. Until then, keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You Podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.